during my time at uh, uh, business school, I also started working for Tesla. I spent about three years there, um, including some part-time work, but then I was drawn to the world of private equity where I could use my sort of passion for technology to bring digital transformation to the portfolio companies uh, across the across the Nordics and, and in Europe for that company. And then I sort of wanted to get back into something more impactful. Um, my work at the private equity firm basically consisted of how to sell more gizmos online through digital advertising or, you know, figuring out a CRM system for a, uh, I don't know, a rail cargo uh, wagon producer or similar. And uh, I missed the the heartbeat of an organization such as Tesla. And I started looking around, sort of trying to figure out what, what are the next frontiers for electrification. This was in 2019. And I realized that there are no equivalents to Tesla when it comes to um, electric boats. So I started trying to figure out why and, and sort of took the, I'm not an engineer, but I tried to take an engineering approach to it where I, I sort of looked at it from first principles. Like um, it should be possible to just put a huge battery in a boat and call it a day, just like a Tesla and sort of figure out all the operations and make a cool design and stuff. But what I didn't know at that time was that the uh, the sort of, and it's kind of obvious today, but the, the energy equation for regular boats is just vastly different uh, for from what it is for cars. I mean, there's a reason why you have like these 300 horsepower outboard outboard motors for boats that are um, maybe six or seven meter meters long, or like sub 30 feet, and and um, um, it's basically just that dragging a boat through the water requires so much energy. And um, batteries today, um, even if they were almost twice as good, they wouldn't be sufficient to allow regular boats to replace gasoline boats or sorry to allow electric boats to replace gasoline boats um so i i found a few electric boat companies and i started to replying this method method of thinking and it came down to two swedish ones um candela and an unnamed uh, competitor basically and uh, i was intrigued by especially the founders sort of vision for for electric boating and, and sort of what could be achieved uh, in the maritime space for for transport, if that if that energy equation that I mentioned is sort of is cracked, right? So whenever it comes to you're you're talking about the the friction component of of boating and and which is the major block uh, for progress in that front. And so as you're talking to the founder, is that what you saw as the progress that they had made? Is they had they had figured out a different approach or different equation on the friction aspect exactly i mean um when i spoke to gustav the first time gustav hasisko the uh i i was aware of sort of the hydrofoiling concept it is it is old absolutely it's from the um pretty much the 1800s but what hasn't been done before is the miniaturization and the digitization of of the controlling of it because you need a version of hydrofoiling that is very unstable. It's sort of like a fighter jet where a, a human being can't in real time uh, control the, the, the surfaces basically that modulate the water flow to keep a boat balanced. If you use the type of unstable hydrofoiling system that an electric boat application requires. So what I realized that Gustav had figured out was basically how to marry the technology and software of of commercial drones um, 
and of course smartphones before that with gyroscopes accelerometers and such with the sensing abilities of an america's cup boat where the boat can at all times measure the distance to the water um and of course with 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 gps uh, from which we get the speed but also with lightweight construction and super um very advanced hydrodynamics also from the america's cup world so you bring those things together and you can actually make a commercially viable hydrofoiling electric boat. So I was presented with the Candela C7 in, in and, and back then it was called the Candela 7 in 2019. And I'd seen nothing like it. Not only does it go much farther on a charge, it also allows for a much smoother ride as the boat just flies above waves and um, waves that are induced by wind uh, or or other boats, for example. Yeah, that's what is uh, pretty interesting about this is I think there's this immediate appeal and intrigue about it because when you see it, you're like, well, I haven't seen anything like this. But you're talking about this experience that not only is it kind of, uh, there's in some cases novelty to it, but the experience is from your explanation, it's superior to anything anybody's experienced, right? Absolutely. I mean, it's like to, to draw on some experiences, like when I held an iPhone for the first time, in my case, it was a 3G because the, the original iPhone didn't come officially to Sweden. Um, it's, it's you basically remove everything that's annoying with boating. You, it got, doesn't cost anything to go out every day, every single day of the summer because electricity costs for um, the relatively small battery that we have, uh, they are minute. Also, the the slamming is gone. You know, when you're hitting you're hitting other boats' waves, or you're going out across a an open body of water where there's a lot of waves, that that's just removed completely, along with the seasickness, because you get much less of the the heaving and rolling. Also, the noise, the noise is is nearly completely gone, especially with our newer boats, where we've trans transitioned into another uh, type of propulsion with our proprietary Candela Sea Pod. Yeah, I, I believe your, your your analogy of like, wow, this is like, this isn't a small step. This is a major leap. It, I mean, we, most of us, a lot of us, when we're doing this for fun, I mean, you just want to be in natural surroundings. And to your point, whenever we probably don't even realize it until it's gone, like, oh my gosh, you can do this and it can be peaceful and, <laughs> and not noisy. And I, oh, I didn't even realize like how much rocking up and down and, and like just being beat up in the process there was, I, I bet, I bet people, what, what are some of the reactions you hear from people now that you've gone through that process yourself and now you get to see other people see it for the first time? Like, what are some of the things you hear people say after they've gone through that? Absolutely. So one of the, one of the most um, noteworthy sort of stories I have of, of people trying out the boat is, is one of the main testers from the motorboat and yachting magazine um, and these guys, they have been through hundreds of boats. Uh, they've tested every single sort of um, invention um, type of boat from sailing to motor-driven uh, yachts, basically. And uh, at first, I you could sort of see when he was out trying to see it, you could sort of see in his face how he gradually started to realize uh, the, the sort of the impact that this innovation will have. Because he was expecting to, you know, slam into large wakes created by a ferry. And 
he was completely surprised by the fact that he could speak to the camera guy next to him in a normal tone of voice at, at speeds above 25 knots. And when we told him how much the ride had cost in total, like we were out for an hour, um, it was just a few euros, you know. Uh, the final piece of the puzzle sort of fell into place. And and uh, that's why we, we ended up on the front page of that newspaper with the big title of Game Changer, um, which was uh, super... Uh, which, which we're super proud of. Um, it yeah, goes that, to show that just like that, that the level of innovation when when someone who has tested that many boats and, and knows every single aspect of 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 a life on the water just uh, finds it so so revolutionizing. Yeah, that's gotta that's gotta be rewarding for the team to get that kind of feedback from somebody who really yeah. knows, right? For sure, that's awesome. Uh, we've it's interesting because we've talked about internally, like, oh, we're talking to Candela. This will be a good conversation. And a lot of people have seen the uh, videos that you guys have put out or the prototypes um, and everybody's interested in it. And I don't think uh, they understand all that goes into it. You were talking earlier about, you know, this technology or the concept is not new. It's just it's new what we can now do with all the different elements and how they come together. And even your competitors or imitators that are going to eventually come along as well. Like this is not easy. Like it, it really is going to be difficult for them to get every aspect of it, right. To, to create that efficiency and that experience. Um, not as easy to imitate as maybe some might originally think. No. And it's actually quite different from, from imitating electric cars where uh, you basically build a, you build a, a skateboard sort of of a battery with the wheels and then you build pretty much um, pretty much whatever on top it needs to be fairly lightweight and needs to be run through cfd or com computational fluid dynamics for getting a very low drag coefficient but then you have an electric car so that's why you see all the big autom automotive makers coming into that space kind of rapidly with the for example the volkswagen e id4 is the the most sold electric car in sweden uh, of 2022 um but more on our competitors i think they're going to be surprised by how, how difficult it can be to have the boat confidently handle everything from heavy side winds to very uneven chop or even large very long ocean waves for example and then everything that goes into engineering a robust system that can can sort of stand the test of time with um in both the propulsion and the uh, the hydrofoiling mechanisms we've gone we've taken it so far that we've developed our own motor as i mentioned which we call the candela seed pod and um, we've also developed all of the hydrofoiling mechanisms that allow us to balance the boat perfectly in high waves and, and strong wind in-house as well yeah, I think your drone analogy um, is one that a lot of people can can, can grasp. We understand mm -hmm. that uh, we've seen the drones become more affordable. We've seen them be more effective. And obviously, that's kind of the path that you guys are going down as well. Exactly. Yeah. How has the organization changed? You talked about some of those early days and, and where the company was when you joined. And of course, there's been a lot of growth um, since then. What, what's that ride been like? What was it like in the early days? What's it like today in comparison? What's it been Absolutely. like? Absolutely. It's it's kind of funny. I, I joined, as I mentioned, in 2019, and and I became, I think, the 19th uh, person in. 
And um, back then, it was the companies was basically split um, almost like it is now between 50% production personnel and then 50% office people, basically. And being that small of an organization, we had we had delivered five boats already when I joined. And um, um, I think I I just look. I was the second person into the sales and marketing team. I just looked around what had to be done. And, and the, the list just was enormous. I remember waking up at 5 a.m. in the morning, basically just my head racing with ideas on all the stuff that we need to fix, uh, polish up, you know, getting everything uh, in the marketing communications up to snuff when it comes to um the 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 price level that we had for for our first uh model and um i remember the diff the stark difference uh was basically that if uh if there was anything that needs needed to be done we didn't have the money for anyone else to sort of get uh working on it but you had to figure it out and learn it yourself which fortunately i had uh, brought with me from from my days at tesla and also at at the private equity company um due to the fact that both of those companies were sort of, or the, the internal organizations in those companies were uh, were fairly small. Yeah, that's, um, I can go ahead and keep, keep going, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, so I started out uh, with doing everything from production quality control, sort of being the last guy to sign off on, on the boats before they were delivered to customers. I started, I learned how to fly the drones because I figured out video is an incredibly important media for us to, um, to get the message out to customers. Then I attacked the website, um, which I knew very little about, uh, and sort of build rebuilding it from scratch on my own, uh, again, with no money from, from anyone else outside the company, because, uh, we couldn't afford it at the time. And I realized that in order to for us to be able to launch products as quickly as we could and wanted, um, we had to figure out a way to present them before they were built. Um, not only to gauge the the actual interest of the customers, but also to get the to get the word out faster, maybe half a year or a year faster. So I started to, during the COVID lockdowns. I started to venture into three D rendering and, and modeling, basically, and. Um, and that led to us being able to to f do a full digital launch of of our best selling product, the uh, Candela C8, which we launched in August uh, of 2021. And I think we're we're up to uh, a bit north of 25 million dollars um, when it comes to order value for that boat, which is um, uh, in total across all of the orders that we received, which is a lot of fun. That's cool. I, one thing I learned a long time ago is that when you have a product um, that is sort of intrinsically interesting and cool and, and people love to see it and experience it, you just got to show it. Like sometimes you don't have to overthink it. You just got to show it. And I, sure. you talked about the 3D rendering and the, and the video and the drone aspect of it. Like it, it comes across very quickly. Like you don't have to have that many talking points, I think, for people to be interested in it. They may not get it all the way, but you grab their attention, I think. Yeah, absolutely. And Today, I'd say that the company has transitioned more into this uh, kind of small medium enterprise. We're approximately 200 people today, so a 10x increase since I joined. And, and of course, I think the we're following the same sort of um, scale-up story as many other companies where the roles over time get more defined and um, we hire more specific people. 
that have done things uh, in their previous jobs uh, that are less generalists, I, I'd, I'd say. Um, while back in the day, we, we could we, we used to hire a bit more on the um, uh, the ability to learn maybe and sort of be become uh, to be a bit amorphous um, and, and not have their expertise fully um, set in a sense, sort of like when when hiring me. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. It's, it's, uh, it's when you're in an organization like that, um, sometimes the pros and cons of being the generalist is that you have to do everything, but you get to do everything. And then as you grow, it's like, oh, I get to specialize in that thing that I'm really passionate about. But then sometimes you have a hard time giving up the thing that you had actually learned in the process. So I, I can relate to that as well. Sure. When you were, you have a lot of products um, and you're appealing to both private owners as well as, you know, civic municipalities, governments, that type of thing. How have you, how has the organization kind of like prioritized um, either product releases or kind of the go to market for um, how you're communicating this? Like, how have you guys kind of approached that? Because you have a lot, there's a lot of people who could be interested in what you're doing. I'm sure prioritizing is not always easy. Uh, for sure not. Uh, so I think the company comes from a leisure point of view where the first customers and investors were interested in our leisure products, basically um, family boats to go out and enjoy nature in and everything that um, that comes with that, especially for a boat in the price class that we that we had to put it in in order to to get it into production profitably. Um, over time, we have sort of been running the commercial track and the leisure track in parallel with, I would say, the commercial track gaining a lot from our experience within leisure, both on the marketing and brand side, but also the the proof aspect of having actual products out on the water sold to real customers that are out using them according to their use cases. And um, I would say that that puts us apart very much from the myriad of, of um, competitors that are popping up within the very lucrative commercial space of uh, hydrofoiling electric boats. Because the thing about hydrofoiling electric boats is that the um, it's a perfect fit for the, the, the commercial operator business case. Because usually the commercial operator operator if they if you look at the entire cost picture of a boat that they purchase and put into service is that the the purchase price becomes a fairly small part of the overall cost because the running costs are very high with a hydrofoiling electric boat the running costs are incredibly small uh, since it's electric and very very energy efficient um, that means that we can charge a a healthy price that can also fund future R&D efforts. And so it's it's sort of a first uh, um, first mover market in that sense, uh, because the, the boats become such, as long as they work properly, they become such no-brainers for operators to purchase. Um, so as soon as I think we, we have advanced to the next step, which is to have a working prototype of our ferry the p12 which can carry 28 people and uh, as soon as we have a working prototype of that in the water i think we're going to see a lot more uh orders and uh, the order books quickly filling up for a few years uh, yeah with the with the commercial folks that you've talked to so far yeah. 
and you're talking about total cost of ownership, do you see that light bulb click on for them? Do they get that right away? Or is that a new way of thinking about it that they had that maybe that's not how their kind of budgets work right now, or maybe that's not how they think about it right now? It's a gradual shift in their sort of in their thinking when you present it, because uh, as soon as they realize how many euros our boats would cost them per hour of operation, uh, you can see them do the math in their heads uh, because we know that they that one of their biggest expenses is the is the is the fuel right alongside of course personnel and and, and stuff but um, because they're, they're very focused on fuel especially over the last year where fuel prices have been volatile to say the least um, it's it's a very it's a very nice conversation for us to have uh, basically yeah I have a feeling that some of them would do it also for the PR uh, of it as Absolutely. well, like just, just a signal of like, look, you know, maybe we're tiptoeing into this, but we're taking steps, right? Absolutely. That's very it's, visible it's, PR. Absolutely. And, and it's, it's like a triple whammy for them. The boats look really cool and you signal a, that you're, that you're sort of part of the future. If, if you operate one, um, it's better for the passengers on board because there's less noise and less slamming. And you save money doing it. So it's it's basically just like the Tesla example where the cars couldn't just be cheaper to operate or um, just electric, you know. They had to be better in every single way. So that was the challenge for, I'd say, Elon back in 2012 with the Model S. How could he make the Model S be a better car than every single other car? And you saw that in the the amount of storage space for a sedan with the with the front uh, trunk, for example, or the acceleration that was pretty insane uh, for an electric car at that time or or any car, like this jolt of acceleration that just uh, that you remembered as a customer. And also, of course, the looks, it looked very, very good. And and if you think about it, that that shape has been basically unchanged since 2012, which is unheard of in the automotive industry. Um, and and sort of is a is a testament to to the the design chops that they that they had when they first designed the, the car. Yeah, the comparison on your leisure side to Tesla is is very similar, right? Like your your sort that is sort of the beachhead of of how to to get into that leisure market. When you're, I, I have a feeling, I have a feeling total cost of ownership is not as big of a deal to these initial kind of early adopter buyers. They're probably it's more about something that's truly unique and a different experience. But that's my assumption. What, do, what are you hearing? What are some of the reasons why people are, are interested in on the leisure side? I would say that there, there's been an increase in the awareness of how just how polluting a boat can be. I mean, imagine putting a vehicle on the road with the same efficiency as a boat uh, where you get... I don't know how many miles per gallon it is, but um, the a boat is basically 15 times less efficient than a family car. So that boat, if it ran on the roads, it would have been banned like in the 80s or something. And um, of course, the, the the prospective owners, they also look at the um, the vanity aspect in a sense. They, they want to be known as someone who is... Um, um, who's who's mindful of the environment and the people around them because I mean the boats don't our boats don't let anything out in terms of oil or fumes from from an exhaust uh, and we don't leave any noise pollution 
when we when we pass someone as as well as no wake basically so i remember driving through the, the central stockholm next to some guys that were out kayaking and i think i passed them at a speed of 25 knots or something at a respectful distance of course and instead of them being angry at me for driving a boat um at that speed at that uh, sort of point in, point of the day uh i the guys put down their paddles and applauded me as i went past um and it was a crazy feeling uh if i would have been in any other boat at that speed they would have called the police basically so it's uh it's it's, it's partly due to that uh, also that our our customers uh, uh enjoy our boats but uh, we do have one case of a family that actually saves 10,000 euros in fuel per summer because they have a, uh, a, a waterfront property uh, close to our factory, actually. And they they use their boats to go out to their summer place uh, very often during the summer. And um, with an aluminum 8-meter boat, that would probably cost them around 10 to 12,000 euros uh, every summer just in fuel. That's incredible. Where are you seeing, um, what are some of the commonalities in these early adopters from where they live, what they do, that type of thing? Because it seems like you have global appeal. I mean, you you probably have customers from all over. For sure. So I would say that there's a pretty clear trend uh, among the, at least the first, first 100 buyers. Um, and that is that they're entrepreneurial, that they either have started a company in the past or that they're, um, in the process of starting something new, they understand the the amount of um, of hard work that goes into cracking a problem like this, and I think it inspires them. Um, and they can see themselves in our our CEO, who basically he Gustav quit his job back in 2014 and 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 tried to find something more meaningful with his life and realized that why has no one cracked the question of electric boating? And um, that just pulled him down a, a deep rabbit hole. Uh, of hydrofoiling and uh, ED battery efficiency and hydrodynamics, um, and ended up in in Candela uh, with uh, to, with two hundred people today. Yeah, when you look forward and try to envision, you know, s- several years out, the impact that you guys uh, can have and and where this could go. Like, what what's that kind of vision that you see? What's that picture that you have in your mind's eye of of where you want to get to right now? I, I think I can draw on another parallel from my time at Tesla, where one of the biggest impacts that Tesla had, I think, um, is kind of non-obvious. And that's uh, they recruited a lot of people from the legacy automotive makers. And those people still had friends. Um, they still have friends back in, in those automotive makers. And how Tesla transitioned the Model S to uh, a full aluminum um, construction the amount of weight saved per Tesla is high, but it's even higher in a Ford F-150, which happens to be one of the most sold cars in the world, basically. And um, from the people I knew at Tesla, the the decision to move to an aluminum structure for the Ford F-150 was in a huge part influenced by the fact that Tesla had been a forerunner in that and sort of established the supply lines into North America and automotive manufacturing in general showing that aluminum could be a viable alternative. And I think something like 400 pounds of weight is saved for every Ford F-150. And imagine the cumulative fuel savings over time from that. So 
to 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 put it into a candela context then i hope that sort of we have kickstarted a um a new sort of gold rush towards hydrofoiling electric boats we showed that it was possible and that customers would actually like it so that's why i i truly hope that our competitors succeed because i believe that competition is good for everyone it puts more pressure on us to do better uh, and i think it ends up in a better state for for and i think the industry ends up in a better state and uh, and the customer also in a better state um in the future i of course am working every i'm wor- i'm working every day to make sure that candela is the leader in, in the future so that we can because i believe most in out of all our competitors, I believe most in Candela to actually um, shoulder the responsibility to push the R and D because we have we are the ones that have, that have done it most successfully in the past, and I think that we have attracted a critical amount of talent and capital to keep um, keep pushing that the envelope. Basically, I think it's really encouraging to hear answers like that, responses like that um, that you know are genuine because. There's so many industries where they're not rooting for their competitors. They're not rooting for the thing that they spent all this time and energy and what things mm. they might consider proprietary to rub off on others. Uh, but it is good for everybody. I mean, it, it, it and it, it always encourages us to move things forward. But I think if you look in the category of electrification and other things like that, uh, there's a lot of people who say, why haven't we done anything on this? Uh, mm. Who's going to be the first? Who's going to take the lead on it? For sure. And one by one, people are raising their hands and becoming the lead. And then people are like, that's all we needed. We're ready to copycat that, you know, and, and be second. For sure. uh, but they need someone to lead it. And uh, I, I appreciate that we've got uh, brands like yours that are taking the lead on that. It's not easy. It's it's years of work to take that. Absolutely. And I, I think that the, the rise of an electrified Volkswagen or the electrification of Volvo 100% would not have happened in this time frame, if it wasn't for the stress that they felt when they saw Tesla succeed. And um, so it's partly sort of making sure to build our own industry of hydrofoiling electric boats or electric boats in general, but also putting pressure on the legacy uh, boat makers. One example actually that gives me a little bit of goosebumps is that in 29 or 2020 during uh, Boot Düsseldorf, which is the largest boat fair in the world, indoor boat fair, I met one of the guys uh, from the Brunswick Group, which is basically the powerhouse when it comes to leisure boats in the world. They own Mercury, uh, the, the the engine manufacturers, uh, and a bunch of different brands, including Boston Whaler uh, and, and a lot more. And he was very intrigued by what we were doing and, and uh, spent a lot of time in our booth. And just recently it came out that, and so I'm sure that they followed us quite closely in the electric boat industry in general, because they saw the amount of interest that, that we that we generated at FAIR and they've seen us since with the investments and the, the accolades that we've, we've, we've won. Um, and they recently announced a, a quite heavy investment into electric boats and uh, the general electrification of, of their, their fleet of brands. Yeah. Um, and, um, I, I want to attribute some of that uh, influence to Candela, um, but of course, Tesla and, and other EV makers. That's awesome. Yeah, that's got to be a great feeling, right? Like these brands that you, you know, grew up knowing, knowing mm-hmm. that people people know, people trust, and that you you know it's rubbing off. You know, you know it's rubbing off. It has to. There's no way. Yeah. <laughs> There's no way it isn't. That's that multiplier effect that you guys can have. Like even if you don't directly uh, touch someone, you're it's it's yeah. rubbing off on others and. And it could be further. the biggest impact we have, which is which is kind of ironic. Um, 
because there's there's in in growing a company there's sort of laws of physics right there's only like tesla i think has 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 been growing at that absolute um top level um that's possible basically with an a, a a cumulative average growth rate of of 80% or something in revenue year on year, year on year since i don't know 2010 or something and uh it's like physically impossible to grow fast enough to achieve the kind of change that was needed within the automotive industry so a lot of time and effort from their end went into actually inspiring others um opening up for patents um selling their technology to Toyota and Mercedes, for example, to in order to to sort of uh, inoculate them with uh, with electrification. That's cool. I mean, that's the same way our team looks at it. You know, our day job is to promote brands that we believe in. But we asked ourselves, like, what else? You know, what else could we do? And it's like, well, you know, we can shine a light on others that we believe in too. And that's what mm -hmm. we do here. It's what this conversation mm -hmm. is all about: is shining a light on people that we respect and admire, and hope that it goes a little bit further. You know. So that's cool. What has been, I mean, it's been a wild ride. It sounds like from, from when you started to now, and it's not going to get any, uh, it's not going to slow down. It doesn't sound like what's been the most rewarding aspect of it for you so far. Um, I, I think of two things when I got that question and, and one of them is, is basically the, um, uh, the reactions from, from the customers and the users of the product when they try it out, uh, and, because every time a new person comes on the boat and gets to experience it, <clears throat> I I get affirmed in that I made the absolute best choice in 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 sort of picking a a, a place to work at. There, I haven't been in another company except for Tesla that sort of elicits that whose products elicit that kind of response, um, even with those who are um, extremely competent or experienced in that mode of or in that type of vessel for example uh, at tesla um, people who'd been driving um, taxis their entire lives were completely amazed with the performance of the car and, and the feeling of an electric car and same with candela people have been driving boats their entire lives they they're just they get their world turned upside down which is which is an amazing feeling to 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 witness